The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 335. Hi, I'm Stephen M. R. Covey, the author of the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling book, The Speed of Trust, the one thing that changes everything. Shift your professional growth into high gear every time you listen to this. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. Hello and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. I'm Jeff Brown and you've found the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Congratulations. I believe that if you want to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is an absolute must. Now, the Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this reading list, but bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. If comparison or the game of comparison, comparing yourself to other people, if that's something that you struggle with from time to time, then you're, you're in the right place because our guest today is going to help you with that. Her name is Renee Vador. She's author of a book called Measuring Up, How to Win in a World of Comparison. I'll ask Renee to share about why comparing ourselves to others isn't always bad, the three specific areas that often get us into trouble when it comes to comparison, how to conduct a comparison cost analysis, and much, much more. Let's take social media for just a second. It may not be the enemy when it comes to comparison, Renee says, but it's certainly not your friend. Like it or not, through social media, other people's lives are thrust in front of us every single day, right? Well, you may not have chosen to be born into this world of comparison, but you can choose to implement a strategy that will help you measure up and win the comparison struggle. I think in the end, regardless of where we are in life, comparison from time to time is going to be something that all of us struggle with. Maybe you know someone in particular who struggles with comparison. If so, be sure and recommend this episode to them. The best way to do that is to use this link, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 335 for episode 335. Renee Vador is a coach, author, speaker, and community creator who helps individuals and organizations discover how to be who they are created to be so that they can do what they are designed to do and win at life. I've had the chance to see her platform grow these last a couple of years. It's been a lot of fun watching that process. And that has led to where we are here today. She's got a brand new book out called Measuring Up, How to Win in a World of Comparison. Renee Vador, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's such an honor. Well, I'm excited to have uh, had the chance to read your book and then share it with my listeners. I think they can get a lot out of it. And I was curious, starting off, kind of that um, deciding moment for you, what that was like when you realized that this area you'd struggled with for quite a while and later managed to navigate this idea of comparison. What was it like going through that and then coming to the sort of inevitable process of, I'm going to write about this. I'm an author. I'm going to be an author. That was a defining moment that was about probably 2 a.m. one night (laughs) when I was asked to write on a topic and I knew what that topic needed to be because it had been 
on my mind for the last maybe six months prior. Mm. However, it wasn't something that I was currently dealing with. And that is what we're talking about, comparison. <laughs> it's something that I was seeing surface in other areas of life. I It was on my RAS filter. It was nonstop. My daughter would come home from school in fifth grade and say, oh, well, she has great braids and mine doesn't look as good and all this stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, comparison, comparison, comparison. Mm -hmm. So I started looking back when I was asked to write and I realized this is something that has really changed my life in the way that I think about it differently now. So that is that defining moment on deciding whether or not I was going to write this book. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about myself as an author ever since because once I have something in my mind, I just continue thinking about it. And it's as if it's already been done. So that defining moment was the literally sending an email. Yes, I am sending in my application for this. And yes, it's going to be on the topic of comparison. It was a, it was a very difficult decision to make because I knew it would affect the rest of my life of my family, how much time I would spend writing this book. But I would not go back. Now that I can compare, I would not go back and undo it. And for context, uh, you self-published your book and went through a program called um, Author Academy Elite, correct? I did, yes. Uh, how, how, did you, how did you like that process? Was that a positive experience for you? It's been positive all the way around. I have other friends who've written traditionally, and I have friends who've self-published. And this hybrid method has been something that really fits who I am. And we have to stay in our own lane and find what it is that works best for each of us. So mm -hmm. it has been great with the coaching. It's been wonderful with the process of me understanding what's going on and having more control of my own message and my own book. So I really enjoyed it. Well, early in the book, Renee uh, contends that this issue of comparison is something that we don't fully conquer or is even something that needs to go away necessarily. Rather, it's something that we can learn to, to wield. Can you expound on that a bit, Renee? Comparison in and of itself is neutral. It's something that we do. It's something that is innate. And no matter what, it's going to happen. So we don't have to get rid of it. If we think that we're going to be able to just tame it or make it go away, we might as well, we're just spinning our wheels, might as well just stop that. So if we look at it, like I like to look at it as an entity, it's something that we get to choose to have control over in our lives, just like anything else. So if we choose to have control over it, and it's a neutral force, unless it gains control of our mind, then we actually can, we can partner with it. We can use it to our benefit instead of our detriment. There are, are three areas that uh, Renee unpacks uh, that she's identified where we often get into trouble when it comes to a comparison. They all start with A, by the way. And the first one is uh, assets. Renee, what are some examples of how we tend to misuse this particular uh, comparison stick, if you will? Yes, the roadblock of assets. I'll tell you <laughs> what, this is one that at some point or another, we all have fallen into. We think of that phrase of keeping up with the Joneses, and that's really how we can think of it right now. So assets might be money or possessions. And when we think about that, we're looking at somebody else's stuff and comparing ourselves, basically mm -hmm. our worth with what other people have versus what we have. Mm -hmm. And that's where we really get tripped up is comparing our worth with our items, with our money, with our bank account. 
Yeah, I never really thought about it that way. I, I kind of always thought about it as my stuff compared to his or her stuff. But 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 you you bring up a good point. It, it's oftentimes whether consciously or not, our worth with their stuff. That's that's a huge distinction. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, when I made that realization, I was able to separate. And no longer was it whether I was driving this minivan versus another mom who had the nice, luxurious SUV. I was able to step back and realize that, wow, actually, this is not who I am. This is just what I'm driving right now. It's all good, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, next up is the appearance roadblock, Renee calls it. Uh, And and though this one might seem obvious, uh, Renee, what are some of the ways that uh, you've seen this particular roadblock manifest itself in, uh, in people's lives? While I've seen it in my own life, I'm sure anyone can go find out more about that on Facebook or anywhere else because I'm very authentic. So I'll share a couple of other obvious ways that it can be in our way. When we are comparing our appearances, many times we get caught up in how we look. And instead of moving forward with what we feel like we should be doing, we think, Mm. oh my gosh, I don't think I look good enough in order to go do that. Or maybe I shouldn't post that video. Or maybe I should just do podcasting and not do vlogs. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can allow that roadblock to stop us and hinder us. Some that we may not think as much about would be that we actually act differently. I know as a woman, and I won't speak for men right now, even though I've spoken to many men who will talk about this in their own terms, but for women, sometimes we're actually thinking behind the scenes that we're threatened, that there's some kind of a threat because Mm -hmm. somebody else appears in our mind better than we do. So we have to be very cautious about that. And when we allow that threat to... It's not even a real threat usually, but if Mm -hmm. we allow that to manifest in our minds, we're going to act differently. We may shun people. We may ignore. We may not choose to go into relationships that we would have otherwise and miss out on friendships or business opportunities. So there are many different aspects to the appearance roadblock that are beneath the surface we don't really think about. And there, there's a test you've devised that you share a bit about in the book. Can you describe how the deserted island test works in relation to this process? This is how I ask myself whether or not I am allowing appearances to get in the way of my life. Hmm. So basically, I think of myself, if I were living on a deserted island right now and there was nobody else around, <laughs> would I still buy such and such. And I'll think about the different products that I'm buying right now. Before I make a a purchase, I will also ask myself, would I do this? For instance, maybe it's, would I curl my hair? Which I didn't today, by the way. Or would I, you know, would I do this or that? And that's my time, right? That the time that goes into appearances. I also might ask myself, would I be concerned about such and such. And I think about the different areas that I'd be less concerned about. If I were on a deserted island, most likely I would not buy lipstick because Mm. who cares, right? But I would buy lip gloss and you'll read that in the book because I love (laughs) lip gloss. It just, yes. I also would not do certain things, but I would still exercise, not because of the Mm. appearance basis, but because it makes me feel better and stress relief. So we can really go in and cut away at what is appearance thinking and letting comparison control our minds and which things are 
real and the things that we should continue doing and we're not allowing comparison to take control. Mm. Now, the third one, the third A roadblock is achievement. Now we're talking about competition here among other things, but this is, this is not all bad. It goes back to what you said earlier about comparison and wielding it. Talk about this particular roadblock, um, when it can be used for good and when it's maybe not so good. I think it's easier for us to think of in terms of when it's not so good. When we think of competition, we think of us winning. We think that we yeah. are the one and only winner. Zero sum game kind of thinking. Yeah. Exactly. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can actually use comparison and its sister friend there, competition, mm-hmm. in a way to move forward. For instance, if I were starting a podcast right now, I would compare myself to yours. I would compare how am I doing in regards to this podcast? Are there things that I could improve on? Are there ways that I could maybe do it my way, but still glean from the expertise that you have already laid out? So that's where I can use comparison in a positive way. There are several quotes uh, from this chapter in particular that I, I found memorable. One of my favorites in this chapter is what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> Just, I love that quote. It's, it's, it's a great way to frame that mindset, I think. I like that too. And I will say, I did not claim that quote as my own. I've heard it somewhere else and I can't necessarily find out where, (laughs) but it is so helpful if I remind myself of that in the everyday life. It's none of my business whenever I'm thinking about what they're thinking about me, because I don't really know what they're thinking about me. Hmm. Uh, Share a bit about this comparison cost analysis. We've dipped our toe in these waters just a little bit, but in chapter five, you lay out this thing called comparison cost analysis. Can you describe that maybe in a bit more detail? When I think of comparison, I know that when it's taking control over my mind, there is a cost. It's going to be something. It might be the cost of time. It might be the cost of relationships. Could be money. Perhaps it's energy. But there are many costs that we can look at. And once we realize what comparison is costing us, then we can choose whether or not it really matters and whether we want to improve and not allow it to take control. So when I look at comparison cost analysis, basically I'm looking at the different roles that I am. For instance, maybe it is a mom, which I am. It could be a business owner. For some, it may be an employee. But we think of these different roles. And then we also look at the ways of thinking for how our goals are. Perhaps it would be we have a goal of, of one day have, being an author, or perhaps it's a goal of wanting to win at a certain game. Whatever that goal is, we need to be able to look through and see what are the costs when we're comparing ourselves to whether or not that actually takes place. So I actually put a chart in the book to help stimulate some thinking when it comes to those different roles and those destinations. I love charts. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, some people do. I'm visual, so myself included. And when I look at that chart, I'm able to assess, okay, when I am comparing and letting comparison take over in the assets arena or in the achievements or in the appearance, how is that costing me when it comes to health? What about my, my everyday life? What is it costing me? What about my family, my time, my resources? So it's really putting together a chart more or less, and it doesn't have to be on paper for those of you who hate charts, <laughs> but it allows you to really identify the costs that are happening and do a cost analysis so that you see where comparison is tripping you up. 
Each, each stage of the process, uh, Renee has made it easier for you to remember by spelling out the word win. And that's part of the title, of course, how to win in a world of comparison. And everything we've talked about up to now comes from part one of the book, Weigh the Cost. W in way is the, is the first letter in that word win. In the second section of the book, she calls it innovate your identity. There's the I. What does it mean, Renee, to innovate our identity? How does that look uh, when applied to our everyday lives? We all have an identity that we were born with, and we were created to be an amazing person. However, along the way, we oftentimes pick up little labels or things along the way that are not really part of our identity. Mm. Perhaps for myself, I know that I picked up that I was a people pleaser, and I stuck that tag on me Mm. and thought, oh, this is who I am. We also, at times, are not living into part of our identity. And I talk about this a little bit in the book when I said that I didn't feel comfortable in front of video or on stage. I had no idea that that was part of who I was created to be and what I was designed to do. Because whenever I got on stage, I would hyperventilate. But in the end, once I refined that skill, I realized that was part of my identity. I just didn't know it yet. So innovating our identity is where we discover and take off the things that really are not supposed to be there. They might be labels from past abuse. It could be so many different things that we've stuck on ourselves, but we needed to rip them off, kind of like a Band-Aid. It's Mm -hmm. that that acute pain that will keep us from the chronic pain of not knowing who we really are. And we also need to hone in on what we should be adding to our identity because it's already really there. There are certain elements that we all are supposed to have, generosity, humility, all of these kind of things we should have. It's part of who we are, but we don't necessarily live, live into them. So innovating our identity is where we discover more of who we really were created to be and what we need to do in order to be that person. That speaks volumes to me. I so identify with the whole being on stage thing, despite having had a career in radio. Well, one of the reasons I chose radio was because I got to hide. Uh, I still got to be on a quote unquote stage, but you couldn't see me on that stage. You know, Later in life, when things sort of morphed and I began seeing a different path and realized that was going to involve public speaking. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was like, how am I going to do that? And the advice you just gave for anyone who's, who's in that situation right now, go back and listen to that again, because it's, it's exactly what you need uh, to hear. Well, I want to move in the time we have left to the third section of the book here, navigating our journey. That's the in and win, navigating our journey. So now we've spelled the acronym. Uh, Renee, I thought your driving analogies throughout the book were quite effective. And in this section, two helpful frameworks in particular to play on that analogy were your GPS filter and the uh, AAA method. Would you be willing to, to summarize those? Yes, you bet. I enjoy the GPS filter because I so often have to stop and ask myself for directions. And if we had directions for our feelings, wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) But since we don't, I've put together this really quick GPS formula where you can stop and ask your, your brain directions. There are times where I'm feeling uncomfortable or just some kind of weird feeling comes in. And I have to ask myself these three questions. Am I feeling guilty? In other words, does this situation make me feel like, like I'm doing something wrong Do I feel like I have to pretend? Do I have to wear a mask? And also, do I feel stressed? Do I have unneeded stress because of a certain circumstance? And when I ask myself those three questions, when it comes to comparison, I typically can figure out, oh, 
I'm allowing comparison to drive my car right now because I'm letting something make me feel guilty that really shouldn't. There's no reason to feel guilty Mm. or I'm pretending I'm somebody else. And why in the world would I do that? I need to be who I was created to be. And if I'm feeling stressed and it's because I'm causing myself to compare myself to someone else, well, they're stressed. So it's just a little filter that helps me Mm. know whether or not comparison is driving my car or I am. And then the uh, the triple A method. We are pretty familiar with calling for help, and sometimes we have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so when we call for help, calling triple A would more or less mean that we are asking ourselves that first A, the fundamental questions. For instance, am I giving comparison control? You can follow up that GPS filter with asking, am I giving comparison control right here? Mm. And when we know that we are, we need to, the next A, acknowledge the truth. We need to sit in it for a minute and just realize, okay, this is what it is. I'm letting comparison drive my car at the moment. What's next? And then there's the next A. We need to apply what we know. I've gone through the former parts of the book, like you mentioned, the W and the I parts, in order to help with some of those aspects. And when you apply what you know, when you know that comparison is costing you what you don't want it to, and when you know who you were created to be, you can use that innovative identity to measure up to, and then you can regain control. So this helps you slow down and get some help along the way. I'm a sucker for acronyms. So between the acronym of WIN for weigh the cost, innovate your identity, and navigate your journey, and then GPS, uh, guilt, pretending, stress, and then AAA, see if I can get these, ask, acknowledge, apply. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the, the, that method to help uh, easily remember uh, each, of these, each of these concepts. So kudos to you for, for, for pulling that off. Thank you. Yeah, I've had many readers come up and tell me, hey, I've been using that AAA. I'm like, yes, awesome. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of questions, uh, Renee, I want to ask that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do that, uh, I want to give you a chance to share anything else from the book that I didn't cover that you want to make sure that we know. There is so much that I could talk about because this is a topic that means a lot to me. I get to watch people come out of the grips of comparison and into Mm. freedom. So what I would leave you with is that you want to make sure that you're winning in this world, but it's not just so that we can win and just be successful. It's because we want freedom. And that's really what this is about, is to be able to be free who you were created to be and do what you're designed to do so that you can win at life. Well said. (laughs) Well, uh, now I think you would consider yourself, but I certainly would from the outside looking in, a successful speaker, something you maybe didn't at one point see yourself as, but what might be some of your tips, Renee, for uh, delivering uh, an impactful and memorable public talk? Well, everyone's different and everyone needs to assess what their lane is when it comes to speaking. Mm. A couple of things that I've learned for myself is that I personally had been trying to memorize a script and I was not created to be a memorizing guru. It doesn't work (laughs) for me that way. Mm. So learning more about who you are and learning what helps you and what might actually pull you down and hurt you Mm. would be a big tip that I would say. So for myself, I have to use bullet points and that helps me to not get stressed. It helps me not to compare myself to myself because Mm. many times I think, oh, well, I said this great when I was reading it, but now (laughs) I can't remember it. So therefore I'm not doing a great job speaking. 
I believe that we just have to be able to be authentic and not try to find somebody else's lane and speak that way. We need Mm -hmm. to speak from our heart and be authentic. And I've seen evidence of that firsthand when it comes to you visiting your site yesterday and, and watching a welcome video for one of your programs. In watching that, I remember thinking as I was watching it, this is so well laid out and well thought out and well articulated. She's obviously using a script. I just can't tell it. I don't see the eyes darting back and forth or anything like that, but it, but it has to be a script. Mm-hmm. Then I learned from you this morning, there, there was just a couple of bullet points. There was no script at all. And so I would commend you for doing what feels natural to you. And as you said, staying in your lane because it's working for you. That video was tremendous. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, I want to ask you too about books. Uh, something I ask virtually uh, every guest on the show, uh, books that you've read that have really stuck with you, that impacted you. Maybe they're books you go back to from time to time. What are a couple that come to mind that sort of fit that, that category? I love books. So there are so many I could choose from. I wouldn't be doing do justice if I didn't say the Bible is what I go back to on a daily basis. But another one I go back to quite often is the how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) Maybe I'm just really into the win thing. I never thought about it till this morning though. (laughs) And I love going back to that because there are so many things that I read and then I implement it for a little while, but then I forget. So going back to it constantly helps me to remember that life isn't just about me and actually I'm going to do better when I'm focusing on other people. Hmm. Well, 2020 has been uh, the the kind of year that none of us ever anticipated it would be. Uh, I know I began the year thinking this was going to be the year I was going to go all in on uh, uh, public speaking and in-person workshops. But in light of all that, uh, I want to ask what's ahead for you and your team that uh, you're excited about and are able to share and and maybe what adjustments have you had to make as a result of, of what we're all going through? Great question. And I was bummed with COVID. I was looking forward. I was watching and seeing that you were going to be doing more speaking. And Mm. so hopefully in the future, right? (laughs) Right. For myself as well. That was, I had several different speaking engagements lined up. And of course those were canceled, which is fine because when I think about it, it has allowed me the more time and effort and energy to put into what I have created, which is the winner circle. When I was looking through comparison over the last three years and all of its, like I said, little sister aspects and Mm. how to win in a world of comparison, I realized that that win method works for so much more than comparison. And I just, I looked into that more and realized that, oh, I want to create a space for people to be able to win at life. And that's what I've done. Mm. And where can we find out uh, more about that? Is that your personal website? You can, you can go to renevador.com. I also have set up bealifewinner.com. And Vador, by the way, V-I-D-O-R, renevador.com. Well, the book again is called Measuring Up. How to Win in a World of Comparison. Renee, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us. I really appreciate you sharing your insights and these methods with us. I think it's going to help all of us win at life, as you say. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. To find out more about Renee, her book, or any other links and resources that we chatted about, you can visit the show notes page for this episode. That again is found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 335. Anytime you have questions, comments, suggestions, or feedback concerning the podcast, please consider writing me directly. Happy to hear anything you have to say. My email address is jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. That's jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. 
Around the corner, I've got some excellent reads I'll be featuring here on the show, and I recommend each and every one of them to you. In three weeks, we'll chat with Susie Miller, author of the book Listen, Learn, Love, How to Dramatically Improve Your Relationships in 30 Days or Less. Just last week, you might remember we welcomed Shasta Nelson to talk about her book, The Business of Friendship. So a relationship-focused conversation there. The one coming up with Susan will be focused on relationships. There's another that will feature the week after Susan's book called What Mothers Never Tell Their Daughters, Five Keys to Building Trust, Restoring Connection, and Strengthening Relationships. That's by Dr. Michelle Deering. So several episodes here, uh, one last week uh, and a couple coming up in the next few weeks centered around relationships, something that I think in the time of COVID where we're not necessarily uh, interacting as often as we used to face-to-face and with the social unrest in the U.S. and really around the world right now, uh, some, some conversations centered around relationships seem to make a lot of sense to me. So I hope you'll check out each of those. In two weeks, we'll be hearing from former VP of Travelocity and Change Champion at GE and American Airlines, Al Como. We'll be talking about his book, Change the Management, Why We as Leaders Must Change for the Change to Last. And next week, it's Jim McKelvey, co-founder of Square. I'll be chatting with him about his book, The Innovation Stack, Building an Unbeatable Business, One Crazy Idea at a Time. So there you have it, a good taste of what's to come over the next few weeks here on the Read to Lead podcast. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 